Hi, I'm Michael Wiafe. And I'm Demetria Wack. Welcome to PolicyWise, a podcast from Youth Leadership Institute in collaboration with California Forward and their Young Leaders Advisory Council, where we challenge assumptions, discuss, and question policy to find out, is this policy wise? Each episode, we invite current and rising policy leaders to discuss current events, social issues, and political topics in order to promote youth voice and establish a model of intergenerational policy discussions. At the time of this recording, we are nearly two weeks away from the 2020 United States elections held on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. This election, all 435 seats of U.S. Senate will be contested, as well as, of course, the office of the President of the United States. Good evening from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, and I welcome you to the final 2020 presidential debate. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease. He had nothing. He did virtually nothing. And then he gets out of the hospital and he talks about, don't worry, live with it. They say, I'm immune. Come on. We're dying with it. And I think we are going to win the House. Even today, he thinks we are in control. We're about the to lose 200,000 more people. The fact of the matter is, there is those with institutional the lowest racism in America. In California specifically, voters will also elect all of the state assembly as well as odd-numbered districts of the state senate. Additionally, Californians will be voting on 12 statewide ballot propositions on issues such as tax reform, affirmative action, law enforcement, housing, business, healthcare, and criminal justice. Each of the propositions will have a massive impact on all Californians, especially young Californians. This episode will be discussing the youth vote, the efforts being conducted to engage younger people, and Proposition 18, which is focused on expanding the youth vote. Before we get started, note that we will not be asking questions specifically related to local elections this episode, but noting here that they are of equal importance. With us, we have incredible guests who work in the midst of engaging young voters in 2020. Noelle Moore and Aiden Aris-Ossingham. Noelle currently serves as the program coordinator for the Cerna Center at Sacramento State. His work focuses on connecting underrepresented and Chicanx Latinx students to leadership, advocacy, and civic engagement. He previously worked for the California Secretary of State Office, assisting with college voter centers statewide, as well as with student voter initiatives. He continues to work towards empowering young people to vote and exercise all forms of civic action and sits on multiple boards and committees that engage students and youth in Sacramento region. Noelle, would you like to add anything else? And how has Youth Vote in particular become important as a focus for you? Well, thank you, Demi, for that introduction and You know, I I don't think I can add anything to what I do without getting into uh, quite a ramble. Uh, We know that our young people, uh, you know, share this sentiment, which is why we see them out in the streets. We see them out in the polls, exercising their civic action and all. You know, what I really think that I can do is, is help with passing on some of the knowledge to make those efforts stronger right now. Thanks, Noel, for that. Um, and, and Aiden, our other guest, is here with us. Aiden is a senior at UCLA, majoring in global studies and minoring in urban planning and art history. He serves as the president of the UC Student Association, the official voice of the over 285,000 UC students at the university, state, and federal levels. At the statewide level, Aiden supports the civic engagement efforts of nine UC campuses through the UC Student Association's UC We Vote campaign. At UCLA, his office co-anchors the Bruins Vote Coalition and over 80 student groups on campus committed to registering, turning out, and empowering student voters. Aiden, is there anything you want to add to your bio and why is it important for, for you to be engaged in politics? 
Yeah, well, great to be here and thanks for the invite. And, you know, as we're nearing the end of perhaps the most consequential election of our lifetimes, um, you know, I think youth voters know the importance and gravity of the issues on the ballot. And we're organizing to make sure that those in our communities and those on our campuses are empowered to cast educated and decisive votes in this election. So so first thing we want to ask you about today, um, I, I think it's something that we, we all uh, in this conversation understand, is that there's often assumptions that youth are uninterested in politics all the time. And oftentimes due to the lack of engagement of rep- and representation, the lack of focus on issues that are important to young voters, historical disenfranchisement, and overall um, voter education. Uh, from both of your experiences, do you find this to be true? And what are you currently seeing today in 2020? We focus on voter apathy, and for good reason, but we don't focus as much on voter trust or voter confidence. And we started to notice that those factors play an equal, if not even larger, uh, you know, effect on why we see low turnout amongst young voters. Um, Again, it's not to discount the perception of of voter apathy and, and how that plays into low voter turnout, amongst young, young voters, but it's recognizing that folks want to be prepared, folks want to know what they're voting on, and oftentimes it's really not clear who can provide that for you or who you can really trust to provide that for you. Young people are interested. We've seen it with consistently with polls, surveys, just, you know, look, at, out, look outside your window. <laughs> we know that young people are are interested, but we have to uh, make sure that folks are, um, that folks feel like they're equipped to uh, make a, a decision. And, and Noelle, you mentioned voter trust and voter confidence. Can, can you go a little bit more into depth on, on what you mean by that, especially when it comes to young people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, another part to, the, to this whole um, trend, right, is that we, we also notice just the lack of familiarity with the voting process in general. So, you know, I've encouraged some of our students to visit their, you know, county elections website. Perhaps it's a little bit more difficult now to visit the county elections offices uh, or, or other sites, but to really just see that there, you know, there's a transparency to our democracy to look at how things work for themselves. Once we see students and young people um, just getting more comfortable interacting with their um, county elections, you know, their, their registrar's office. Um, uh, they, I think we're going to start to see that trust build, but it, has to, but it is a relationship that has to begin. And some, oftentimes that relationship hasn't really started. Thanks, Noelle. And, and Aiden, you're a student, and so you, I'm sure you know exactly what Noelle is bringing up and how that affects um, young voters and, and the people that you work with. Can, can you also tell us a little bit from your perspective um, about how important voter trust, voter confidence, um, current events, and all of this plays into youth civic engagement? Definitely. I mean, when, you're, when we're thinking about those, those overarching, I think, assumptions of youth being uninterested in politics, Really what I'm seeing on the ground is, is that's a myth. And, and um, in the era that we're in right now, it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, one of the interesting things about youth civic engagement and the youth demographic is that it's one of the only demographics in America that's constantly changing, constantly evolving. Every election cycle, there are youth voters that age out and new youth voters that age in. 
So when we think about the kind of electorates of 2010, 2012, 2014, where these assumptions of millennials or young voters not being civically engaged, we aren't seeing that borne out in the data of the electorates of 2018 and 2020 now. Um, youth voters set historic turnout records in the 2018 midterms in California and nationally. And I'm, I'm hoping that we're primed to do the same in 2020. Uh, I think the, the culture and the climate that we've been in over the past four years has really uh, engaged uh, the electorate in a way, both young and old, that we as individual citizens of the United States, individual voters and individual residents uh, hold collective power and we use it together. And I think uh, you know, youth voters are waking up to that. We woke up to that in 2018 and we're even more engaged in 2020. So uh, what I'm seeing on the ground is students and youth voters really engage with the issues in their community, really engage with the issues impacting them. And that's a really exciting thing to see. Great, thank you um, so much for sharing. You mentioned some of the, the stuff that you're seeing on the ground. Will you go into kind of the efforts that you're currently doing um, to capture youth voice, Aiden? Uh, and then we'll move over to Noel. Yeah, well, on our, our UCLA campus, um, you know, I'm really proud to help co-anchor our Bruins Vote Coalition with uh, CalPERC students at UCLA and partners in uh, campus administration. And what's really exciting this year is just the breadth and diversity of our coalition. This is the largest coalition we've ever had engaged in uh, turning out the youth vote at UCLA, over 80 organizations. Uh, and with a focus this year on diversifying our coalition, bringing in communities and student organizations uh, and groups on campus that have historically been disenfranchised from the right to vote in America's history. And I think this cognizance of history and this placement that you know, we as students today are part of a larger movement that stretches from the voter registration drives of the 1960s, fighting systemic oppression and barriers to voting in the South, all the way up until now, kind of places us and grounds us uh, in understanding the importance of exercising this privilege, this tool, one of many in creating change in our society. So what that looks like on the ground is um, we're tapping in trusted student leaders and trusted voices from across the campus saying the same message, uh, using the same uh, tools to engage voters uh, and engage students to register to vote. We're sending all students to castudentvote.org. It's a really powerful tool that we've developed with partners throughout the state uh, and, uh, and campus that allows us to, uh, in a way that we've never been able to do before, target and reach out and track student voters, make sure that they fill out their voter registration. If you just start filling it out and you get preoccupied or class comes up and you have to run, you get an email uh, an hour later saying, make sure to finish registering to vote. And once you do register to vote, um, that data allows us to then text bank, peer to peer, student to student, um, information about the different kinds of options you have to vote and different resources to educate yourself on, what's on, on what is on the ballot. So I'm really excited that we have such a chorus of different voices, our you know, campus leaders, our chancellor, our student leaders in elected government, our Olympic athletes, our arts communities, our students of color leaders, this chorus of trusted voices on campus, all singing the same tune of voter engagement and voter empowerment. I'm just in awe and, and just uh, marveling at the immensity of the efforts that you're all undertaking and, and it's, you know, just taking a moment to process all of that because I think it's incredible. 
I can, I can say, you know, that along with a lot of that um, voter education, and of course, turning that into voter turnout, getting out the vote, uh, part of that, I think, is also getting students and young voters excited. I mean, mm-hmm. from a staff perspective, you know, I think it's, um, I've often said we want these efforts to be student-led and staff-powered. Uh, we want to have that sense of in, uh, empowerment from within to, to really, uh, you know, that's how, that's how folks are going to encourage each other and even their families, quite frankly, right? We know a lot of, we know that in public universities in our state, most students are from first generation um, backgrounds and, and perhaps, you know, a lot of um, families who, who, who aren't as familiar or as active in voting. So it, it really creates a multiplying effect to get students and young voters empowered. It's, it doesn't just stay within the confines of, of you know, them and, and them turning out to vote. It has a much greater impact. I think it's worth focusing on young voters that are not, um, you know, in our colleges and universities, young voters who are not in our higher education system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, I, I, I'm a board member for a local youth nonprofit um, here in Sacramento, the Alliance for Education Solutions. And that's part of a larger uh, national group called Opportunity Youth United. Um, Opportunity Youth being used now instead of um, what used to be referred to as at-risk youth. And, you know, they're hosting a voter summit. And a lot of these young people, young voters, you know, eligible voters, are going to to be in attendance voting for the first time ever. Um, And they don't have you know, the same access, you know, for a lot of reasons that perhaps this, the college student voter does. Institutions provide a wealth of information, access to information, um, but we have to get that same information and that same feeling of empowerment to young voters who, you know, young voters in general, uh, in, you know, that inclusive intersection of, of um of what it means to be a first time voter or perhaps just, you know, someone who, who's been um, distant for, for quite some time. I, I have to admit that uh, I think all of us in this conversation are kind of birds of a feather and have registered students at some point or another. Um, I, I was thinking back to what we were doing a few years ago in 2018 during the, the midterm um, election when, when I was registering students at SDSU. And a lot of the strategies that I'm hearing, Aiden, the, the csstudentsvote.org, um, student-to-student, peer-to-peer outreach, uh, sounds like there's a lot more data involved than there used to be. Uh, we did not have such coordination. We were just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks. Um, and I look back to 2016 when I was a freshman on campus, and that was even worse than, you know, 2018 in terms of strategy and organization. Um, so I, I just want to commend you both on your work and, and just thinking about how different uh, it, it must have been when, um, you know, when, when, back when we were in office and, and doing a, a lot of the similar things that you all are doing on campus today and, and hoping that it's uh, going to get better uh, as the future progresses. And hopefully this is a turning point um, in youth civic engagement. Yeah, Michael, I, I completely agree. Um, similarly, watching the amount of technology that has transformed the amount of votes that I've, or at least the amount of like civic engagement that I've seen um, 
both in like the actual form of getting people to vote, but also people um, like sharing information and just seeming to be so civically engaged on a whole new level on social media. It is really, really exciting. Um, and I hope this like perpetuates. Do you think that there are like specific issues that are happening a specific climate right now um, that are that youth are particularly interested in um, that is going to make the turnout in this election uh, hopefully higher? And what are some of those those specific instances, uh, specific events? Yeah, I mean, there's so many issues of importance this election, but I've really been uh, inspired seeing um, young people in this country lead the charge for racial justice and equity um, and lead the charge for a number of racial justice and equity measures on the ballot. Um, I have never, ever seen the kind of young voter engagement and, and youth engagement around a proposition like Proposition 16. Um, students and young people are on the front lines of the fight for opportunity for all and racial justice uh, that is on the ballot in Proposition 16, which could uh, potentially, if approved by the voters, um, lift the ban on affirmative action policies in California and bring California in alignment with over 40 other states in the country that uh, use race conscious uh, affirmative action policies to close uh, different opportunity gaps and uh, take down barriers to the uh, empowerment of people of color, women and others in our state. Uh, you know, young people have really been on the front lines of that fight. I've been so inspired seeing uh, the, just a year ago, UC Berkeley students um, organizing, calling, hosting hearings and town halls to push the uh, state assembly to take up this issue and to run a bill to called ACA5 at the time to put this proposition on the ballot. Young people were at the front lines of that. And now in, in, uh, as we're in the midst of the campaign for Prop 16, young people are again on the lines of that. Just today, uh, 16 events throughout the state of California behind Prop 16, um, where youth voters and uh, young organizers are turning out from Northern California, Southern California, Central Valley, everywhere. Um, so I think that's a very important place. And then also on the local measures and in different uh, other uh, propositions, for example, Prop 17, which would um, lower barriers for voting for formerly incarcerated individuals, uh, young people and former incarcer formerly incarcerated students and system impacted students have been on the front lines of that fight. And I think students are really engaged through social media, through digital organizing around uh, district attorney races in their local communities and different other local measures like here in Los Angeles, Measure J, uh, which would uh, re-envision the way in which we do county budgeting uh, and take money away from law enforcement and reinvest it in community supports like mental health, like, um, like investment in underserved communities and things of that nature. So I think young voters are seeing the uh, nationwide reckoning we're seeing over racial injustice and are using their voice and are hopefully going to be using their votes to change the system that we see ourselves in and make it better for ourselves and for our futures. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, so many different things that are going on right now that have 
in a way forced youth to get involved because they saw nothing changing. Um, I'm thinking COVID-19 and virtual life. First off, social media is the only way that we could stay connected unless you decided to get everybody's phone numbers before, you know, before you knew about the the national pandemic. Um, And then there was everything that was going on with civic unrest with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. um, And all of that was all over social media, right? Like none of us were hanging out in person having conversations about this when it first happened. It was all on Twitter. It was Instagram. It was Facebook. Um, and then the the evolution of of uh, of social media from being you know words to photos to photos and words, and now TikTok is kind of taking over with videos and, and Snapchat and Instagram stories, and now you're able to be so much more creative in a way which I feel like we were not able to to be in the past. Um, I I first got civically engaged around 2015 2016. Um, I did not care about politics beforehand. I'm not going to lie. I'll just be honest. I thought it was really boring. What's the point? My dad's always watching it on TV. Can we switch the channel? Um, but I, I, for me, it was the, ele- it, it was the election of 20, 2015, 2016, um, when I first started watching and thinking, what the heck is going on here? Um, and, and saw Bernie Sanders for the first time. And uh, Donald Trump came out. And there were all these other candidates. And I just thought it was so interesting. And that's when, you know, I first had that moment of this stuff is actually important and can influence a lot of people's lives, um, has undoubtedly changed people's lives based on the decisions that were made in 2016 and 2018 affects what we're seeing today. Um, fires in California, we're, we're having this conversation during Supreme Court hearings. Um, people are unemployed. Uh, over 200,000 have died from the virus. All of these come together um, and a lot of young people are having that aha moment, that moment where they realize, oh shoot, civic participation, voting, having my voice heard is one of the most important ways to make sure that events like this um, either don't happen or happen in which uh, a way of which I can at least say that I had my input on uh, when you're you're electing your public representative. So I wanna ask everyone, um, what was your aha moment? Where was, when did you sit down and think, hold on, this thing is actually really important. Let me try to get uh, a young people involved. Let me get involved myself and, and, uh, and pursue this path of um, civic engagement. I, I can share. I'm going to date myself here, but the year was 2012. For me, it was related to, um, to really just the way that we interacted online and cybersecurity. Uh, so, I, so I knew, I, I realized okay, there is a group that's working on that, and it's made of young people. And so that was the Sacramento County Youth Commission. But, what I, but so I was appointed and served for two years. I was in high school at the time. Folks are expressing their, their views online. Immediately that turned into um, working on, on um, other issues of you know, community advocacy and getting more funding for uh, schools and getting more funding for youth programs locally. So it was, so I think that was really my first um, venture into civic participation. Aiden, do you want to tell us about your aha moment? For me, it was back in, in 2015 when I was in high school. And it, this was before um, the shooting in Parkland, but uh, after a lot of really uh, horrible and tragic school shootings throughout the country. And in my own um, community in Orange County, there was a school shooting thought thwar- plot thwarted at a nearby high school that kind of made uh, a lot of us take stock about what would happen if 
you know, a tragedy like this were to unfold, unfold in our own school. And for me, as somebody who's always been interested in architecture and spatiality, like the first thing I thought of was like, how would we even be safe in a situation like this where we would have to go uh, down into lockdown? And, you know, our school was built in the 1970s, uh, was not really, you know, in the state to deflect a kind of uh, thing like that. And even other schools in our district, they didn't have doors in between common areas. Uh, they didn't have, uh, you know, uh, reinforcements or other kind of safety um, things built into these schools. And then even for uh, the more likely scenario that we as Californians face of earthquakes, our schools weren't uh, equipped to safely handle, you know, kind of seismic strain uh, or, or a major earthquake. So all these questions were kind of coming to the, the fore, and it was just coupled with like a lot of the other facilities issues that students uh, in public school were feeling, like the broken bathrooms, the HVAC system that wouldn't keep us, uh, you know, cool during the hot summer months, the, uh, you know, issues with power and Wi-Fi and things like that. So, you know, that was when I first had this aha moment of, wow, like these are problems that my classmates and I face um, that you know, could be fixed through some sort of systemic change. And I remember I went to like a local PTA meeting where parents were talking about this too. And there were some conversations forming about a local bond to increase funding in facilities and modernization and maintenance in our schools to make them safer and healthier for students. And I got involved with that grassroots effort. I, I canvassed for this, I would knock doors. Um, and, and really became passionate about this because it's something that I saw directly in my own line of sight that was a problem that this specific thing in the political world could fix if we, enough of us students and parents and community members managed together to do this. And, you know, the odds were against us because what I would always hear is, why the hell are you trying to pass a tax in Orange County um, when, uh, you know, apparently we care about education enough already? But I knew that wasn't the case. Um, so, you know, a lot of us students were knocking doors, making phone calls, text banking for this. And, you know, I was really proud when it did pass in uh, the 2016 primary election uh, from a margin of, of 60 to 40 and, and managed to start those long-term uh, safety and seismic improvements that uh, our schools had, had never had the funding to do on their own from so many other students is, is really understanding that these problems that are so big and broad, you actually do have agency and you do have a voice in changing. And I think that awakening has happened for so many young people over the summer and over this year um, through COVID-19, through the protests and uprisings throughout this country through the uh, issues that we're facing in California of wildfire, drought, and et cetera. Um, you know, we're being woken up to the fact that these problems need solutions and we can be those solutions if we mobilize and turn out to be civically engaged. And once you have that kind of awakening, you can't go back to sleep. You can't go back to apathy. And I think the students who are finding their voice and finding their votes today are going to be just as engaged in the election after this and the election after that far into the future. Aiden, yeah, that is so exciting. And I, and I couldn't relate to that more as far as like my aha moment goes um, as just being like, oh my gosh, we can actually make a difference. We can actually change all of these things that are happening around us that just feel so uncontrollable all the time. Um, and 
in a similar way, I, like my aha moment, it relates to Noel and that I feel like I accidentally got civically engaged. Um, and then from there, I was exposed to just that, that exact thought of, wow, things actually are changeable and there's these people in control and we actually have the power to hold them accountable, but no one's ever told me this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the way that I kind of felt after that was, how come no one else is telling everyone else about this? How, how come it took so long for me to figure this out? Who, who is telling everyone else? And um, that's, that's, that's what I'm passionate about and the whole, the whole reason that I want to study policy. Um, and I think, and, you know, we're all kind of here to, to help others figure that out. It's just like spreading that access and awareness and that education about voting and what that actually means, both in the actual form of a ballot, but in the form of being civically engaged in general. Um, and it's super exciting to, to hear you say that you're seeing amongst the, the direct groundwork that you're doing, that these students are students and people and youth um, are planning on, on keeping up this effort even past this election. Because uh, there's so much on the line right now and it seems so obvious, but I hope that that you know, doesn't go away. Um, it certainly won't, I feel like, for the people I know, um, but it's great to hear that there's consensus uh, around that. Absolutely. And uh, I think as we know, Prop 18 um, will allow will allow some young people to be able to get engaged and take some action a little bit earlier on than we were able to. Um, and and so, uh, Noel, do you want to tell us a little bit about Prop 18 and, and what it would do? Um, so so I so what Prop 18 would do is allow them allow 17 year olds who will be 18 by the time of um, of the election that's coming up to vote in their in their in the primaries have a say in what ends up in the ballot that they're ultimately going to be voting on themselves. Exactly. And, you know, Prop 18 is so exciting. It was something that we as the UC Student Association, um, you know, pushed for and advocated for um, when it was in in bill form before it made it to the ballot, along with other, uh, you know, youth organizations throughout the state. And, I mean, just take a look at the last few years, um, you know, young people in high school below the age of 18 have been leading the charge for uh, gun control uh, with the March for Our Lives movement, um, have been leading uh, the charge for um, climate activism and, and, uh, and environmental activism to combat uh, the impacts that we're seeing right now of climate change in our state. Um, young people have an equal voice and an equal right to have uh, their future um, or to, to, to dictate the outcomes of their future through voting. Um, and, you know, with, even though people do claim that, uh, you know, Prop 18 would be detrimental or it would be young people voting based on their parents. I mean, come on, it's, it's the ballot. What young person would ever vote based on what their parents said, just purely on what their parents said. I mean, I think all of us are, uh, especially on this call, definitely make our own decisions for ourselves and young people do make their own decisions for themselves. And if we think back to previous constitutional amendments, I mean, the conversation we're having today is the same conversation we had decades ago when uh, the U.S. was considering lowering the the voting age from 21 to 18. And for generations now, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds have shown and proven that they are capable, knowledgeable, thoughtful, effective voters. Uh, This was the same argument made for other groups, women, people of color being disenfranchised from their right to vote decades ago. So, you know, when we have measures like this, we're building and setting norms that may seem, uh, you know, 
far-fetched or progressive today, but will be the normal of tomorrow. And we owe it to the next generation of voters to have this fight today, to have these tough conversations today, to open up the door for access and equity. Because whenever you bring a new group into the tent, a new group into the fold, they are able to exercise their voice and their vote in a way that makes all of us as Californians uh, much better off. So I'm really excited to and, and hopeful that this will pass. Yeah, and with that, I want I want to ask you both, um, kind of kind of as, as we start to close this conversation, what can Californians be doing right now to help promote the youth voice, and what steps should young people be taking in order to get engaged and stay engaged? Uh, and what message would you like to leave young people and and soon young voters, um, as well as policy professionals who deal with elections? You know, this is going to be a lot of people's first uh, election that they're going to be able to vote in at such um, at, at such a very critical time in in history. Well, I think that the most important message that I'd say is when we lower barriers to voting and civic participation, young people rise to the moment. Um, and this is something to be said about the election and the, po- and the period after the election. Um, I've been very proud to see, uh, you know, Californian policymakers and leaders really invest uh, and trust in youth participation and the youth vote. We've seen um, the lowering of barriers to voter access in California that we've never seen before. Um, Here at UCLA, we have the most number of vote centers we've ever had. We have same day registration, we have early voting, we have multiple options to vote by mail, which make it so much easier and more convenient on students and young people who, you know, faced with the dual burden of pandemic and recession, our working jobs are, you know, taking more class hours who likely have increased child or elder care responsibilities. All these different choices and all these um, different streamlined uh, mechanisms to cast your ballot make it so much easier for young people. And that is so appreciated. So when we lower those barriers, young people do rise to the moment and they do take advantage of these. And and I'd say that, you know, to add to that, it's it's continuing to to have that uh, urgency to share what we have in terms of voting information, share what we have to motivate you know young voters to turn out. Um, the Cerna Center just uh, last week, you know, we hosted uh, labor and and civil rights leader Dolores Huerta, who is incredible um, as a leader and organizer, still doing this at age ninety. And, you know, she says every moment is a chance to uh, reach out to somebody. Every moment is a chance to tap into somebody's, uh, you know, willingness to participate. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, But she, you know, that's really, I think, a message that we can all relate to. And I think that's a message that um, youth allies can relate to, that we have to just keep having that sense and that spirit of, of, getting the word out, you know, getting uh, the sense of excitement out around these upcoming elections, although that might always, that might not always, you know, be there to begin with, but um, getting young people to really just, and, 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 and getting youth voters specifically, right, to really understand the power that they hold um, and, and, and to understand, you know, that their actions can lead to um, changes in our democracy. So I, I think that that's quite important is, is just the, the spirit and the, uh, you know, environment of, of creating um, 
a celebration around our civic rights and perhaps our most fundamental civic right, which is voting. I want to thank you both for uh, coming on to the show and, and joining us for this conversation, um, especially a very timely conversation as we um, kind of hit the, the election slash post-election um, kind of drama <laughs> that we think is, is yet to ensue that young people will, will now have to witness um, as some people's first image of politics is I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but your insight has been very, very important and very much so valued. And I believe our listeners um, have gained a lot of uh, uh, a lot of insight from you both um, from perspectives of, of working on campus and engaging with young voters. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you so much. And also, Michael, thanks for calling us a show. And I didn't know we got from our podcast got promoted like that. So that's great. Um, the last I wanna, <laughs> the last thing I want to ask is, um, if I'm like a, a young voter right now, hypothetically, um, where, what kind of like, where should I go if I'm trying to search information about propositions or maybe, uh, you know, people I want to maybe vote for? Is there a specific website or anything you would recommend? Yeah, you know, I, I always say to when, when I cast my own ballot and, and try to look into propositions, I always do three things. Um, I go to the Secretary of State's website where you can see nonpartisan um, objective descriptions of the different propositions and read into a little bit on your own. Uh, I then check out the endorsements of my local newspaper or a, a trusted source in my community. And then on specific issue areas that I care about, um, for example, like student issues um, and student priorities, I then look for different organizations, clubs, um, or uh, institutions that uh, care about the issues that I care about. So for students, I, of course, as a UC student, I check out the endorsements of the UC Student Association, but I also care about environmental issues. I check out Sierra clubs. At whatever issue you care about, there's an organization that cares about it too. So if you, if you go to the, the Secretary of State's website, you can just Google it. If you go to your local newspaper's website, if you go to the issues, uh, organizations that care about the issues that you care about, Altogether, those three simple things, you'll know more than the average voter and you'll know all you need to know in order to cast an informed vote. Yeah, and I think there are some tools that are new to this election cycle. The Secretary of State's, California Secretary of State's website uh, can allow you to track your ballot and, and just have some peace of mind as to where where, where exactly it is. Uh, so definitely check, check those things out because they're not only exciting, but very useful to uh, help you understand again more of the, uh, the voting process and, and your place within it. This was a podcast recording of PolicyWise. We are your hosts, Michael and Demi. PolicyWise is a production of Youth Leadership Institute in partnership with California Forward and their Young Leaders Advisory Council. Jared Amonos produced this episode and the music was created by Ian Post and sourced from artistlist.io. If you want to find more great youth content, check out YLI.org and be sure to subscribe to PolicyWise on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps. To discuss this episode, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PolicyWisePod and hashtag your discussion with hashtag PolicyWise. See you next time for more youth voice and policy discussion on PolicyWise.